This morning, I just want to share with you a few things that I learned while I was in Mexico. So we were serving my family in, in Guadalajara at the Matthew Training Center uh, with MB Mission. And uh, people now say, well, so what did you do? And, and the reality is I was a gardener for most of that time. And, uh, and it's not maybe the most like, glamorous missionary job that you think of, right? You're like, oh, you're going to go be a missionary and you're going to tell people about Jesus and you're going to do all this great stuff. And it's like, well, I, actually, I got dressed in the morning and I went outside and I picked up dog poop. And then I checked the pool and then I went and I cleaned the septic system. And then I would go and I'd pick weeds or I'd cut grass or I'd trim bushes or, or whatever. And that, that's kind of the work that I did. And the Lord taught me a lot through that. A lot about being faithful, even when we're serving outside of our gifts or our strengths. He taught me uh, just a lot of other things that in, maybe I didn't realize when I started. But in hindsight, I'm like, oh man, God was really working in my heart, was preparing me and was teaching me. And so this morning, I just want to teach, uh, share with you three lessons that I learned as being, from being a gardener. And, uh, and we'll see, hopefully they connect with you the way they have been connecting with me as I think about transformation and, and the work of God. It's funny, though, because like, as a kid, I hated gardening. I don't know anybody else there. It's just like the idea of cutting grass, pulling weeds. You're like, this is torture. I would never do that. And, and over the years, I've gotten to this point where I actually really love it. Like, give me some podcasts and a stretch of weeds, and I'll just sit there and pull weeds all day. Um, my retirement goals, I'll share them with you. Uh, I've, been in, I've been thinking a lot about retirement now that I've started work again. <laughs> and um, my, my goal for retirement is to cut grass for a golf course, right? I figured I could get up early, cut the grass, play a few rounds, and go home. And I think that sounds just like the ideal retirement plan. Uh, so things change in our lives. As, as, and so I went from hating gardening to loving gardening. And I thought about titling my sermon today, uh, She Thought He Was a Gardener, which comes from John 20, when Mary encounters the risen Jesus and she thinks that he's a gardener. And I, I, maybe it's just because I want to be like Jesus and I was a gardener that I just resonate with that. I'm like, yeah, gardening. And Jesus is that way and it's awesome. But I, I just... I love this picture, this reminder that Jesus is a gardener. Uh, there's a lot of language we have to talk about Jesus. We talk about him like king or lord, uh, savior, lion, lamb, healer, creator, judge. He's our rock. He's the Messiah. He's the image of God. He's God's son. And in that list of titles, I don't want us to lose this one. Jesus is a gardener. That's what... He's like. And so in the 16th and, and uh, 15th century, artists really captured this encounter in the book of John. And they started putting these images and drawings of Mary meeting Jesus in the garden. And I, I just really love them. So here's one. I think there's three. There's this one. Another one. Uh, artists like Rembrandt would actually put Jesus in the full um, gardener get up like wearing all the gardener clothes clothes and stuff and there's a really interesting theory about why and I'll, if you want to know you can come talk to me later uh but one of the things that you'll notice in every one of these pictures is that he's ho holding a, a shovel or he's holding a hoe he has one of these gardening implements in his hand 
And one of the reasons for that is what the artists were trying to convey was that Mary was not mistaken when she saw Jesus as a gardener. It it's actually speaks to a spiritual reality of who Jesus is and what Jesus does. Because Jesus has been sowing seeds into all of our lives. He sowed seeds of love into Mary and she they grew and took fruit in bore fruit in her life. And and so Jesus has always been doing this and he continues to do it. He's sowing his seed among the world, among people. Now it's interesting because not only is Jesus a gardener, but it's actually a family business. And uh, Jesus tells us in John 15 verse 1 that his father is a gardener. John 15 verse 1 says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Together, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are working as gardeners. And I I think that that's an important metaphor for us today in our current world. Jesus' parables and stories were often very agricultural. uh, And we've become increasingly distant from that sort of world. In our world, we like to move fast. Speed, efficiency, input, output levels, those are things that we put a high value on. Uh, A lot of things in this world we judge by what kind of immediate result we get for our time or money or effort. Gardening is a totally different process. I can't plant my carrots and go the next morning expecting vegetables. It takes weeks. The seed has to lie dormant for a period of time. It slowly receives the nutrients that it needs. It will begin to transform and grow from a seed into something beautiful or edible or both of those things. And isn't it interesting that Scripture tells us that God is a gardener? It's not God is a factory manager overseeing productivity levels. When I think about transformation in our lives and our work with God, I'm encouraged to think of God as a gardener. It reminds me that God knows the human heart is going to take some time to be transformed. God is patient while the seeds take root. God is tender while the sprouts begin to poke through the soil. And God is good to cut away all the branches that are in the way of fruitfulness. We want things now. We want results. But God is a gardener who is patient. He works to bring about transformation in our lives. So I like to think of God as the patient, relentless gardener. Working to shape us into the image of his son. Jesus is the gardener who plants his seeds in us and we receive it. And slowly under the care of the loving gardener, that good good news grows and transforms us. Uh, So here's a picture of a real garden. This is sort of, oh, no, other one. Next picture. Oh. I sent you the wrong... Okay, back one. That was... No. Mm -hmm. It should be a picture of the Matthew Center, and it might have been the right one that I said was the wrong one. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So... (laughs) I need new glasses really badly. (laughs) Okay, so this is a picture of the Matthew Training Center when they first bought the grounds. Some of you maybe even went there and planted some trees. And over... A long period of time, as people went and they planted trees, volunteers came and they cared for it, they fertilized it, they uh, killed the mole rats that ruined the ground. It it transformed. And so if you were there, it would be 
Marianne helped me six years ago, seven years ago that they first bought it, roughly. So maybe you're there. If you haven't been there in six, seven years, this is what it looks like now. And it's completely different. Uh, Next slide is a side-by-side comparison so you can see what happens over time. This did not happen instantaneously. This happened over a long period of time as people were faithful and took care of the grounds and they weeded and they planted and they fertilized and they took care of it. Our hearts are the same way. Transformation does not happen overnight but eventually it creates something new and different and almost unrecognizable. My second lesson from months as a gardener is an observation I began to make in my own life. It's this idea that weeding is a never-ending, constant reality of gardening. It never ends. And so here's a beautiful picture. I love these flowers. And they they grew all the way along the side of the Matthew Training Center. And so I would go out and I would spend an entire day weeding underneath there, right? All day, just weeding, 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 move down six inches, weed, weed, weed. And at the end of the day, I would step back and I would look and it was beautiful, black, good soil, all nicely mixed up. And the next day I would walk out and I'd see weeds. Man, I thought I got them all. And, and then, you know, within a week, it's time to get out and do it all over again. It's the same thing. Weeding never ends. This week in my devotions, I was reading 1 Timothy chapter 4. And Paul is urging Timothy to take responsibility for developing his own inner and outer life, his transformation. And so he says things like, train yourself to the holy life. Practice these things and live them so that your progress will be visible to all. Focus on working on your own development. And then there's verses like Second uh, Peter verses 1, 3 to 8. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promise so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The passage begins by talking about the wonderful work that God has done. It says, now because of that, we have a job to do. We are to make every effort to add to these things, to add goodness and self, uh, self-control and perseverance and godliness. Why? Because in tending to these parts of our lives, we become more productive. When I think about weeding, I think about Ephesians 4. And I love the way Peterson puts it in in his paraphrase. He says, Since then we do not have any excuse for ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. So get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life. 
a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. It all has to go. If God is making us into a beautiful, productive garden, then that old, rotten, unproducing part of our life has to go. The weeds need to get pulled out. Put on your work clothes and get to work. Paul goes on in Ephesians 4 and he tells us some of the things that we need to weed out. He challenges us to weed out our lying and our anger, our stealing and our foul language, as well as any language that's destructive or tears down other people or communities. We're to get rid of the actions that grieve the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us that we're to weed out of our lives all bitterness, losing our temper, anger, And if you were keeping track there and you're like, why is he picking on me because I have anger? It's because Paul put it twice in Ephesians 4. Get rid of our anger, our shouting, and our slander. And then just so you don't think that's an exhaustive list, Paul then adds, and every other kind of evil. Our lives as disciples of Jesus are this fascinating dance between God's work and our work. God does a great work in our lives And then we're called to respond to the work that God is doing. We're called to partner with God in our lives to weed out the old and put on the new. You can think of it this way. There's a difference between justification and sanctification. Justification, maybe you've heard it described as it's uh, through the, the life and death of Jesus and his resurrection, I have been justified just as if I had never sinned, right? It's the work of God. It's the payment for all our sin, past, present, future. Done. Gift of God for you. Thank you, Jesus. Sanctification is the work of becoming holy, of becoming set apart. That work, we work with God in. We partner with Him in that. And sanctification is not the, thank you, Jesus, for justification. I'll pass on the upgrade to sanctification. We are all called to holiness as God is holy. We're all called to get rid of the old and put on the new. And so we work with God in that. We partner with him, the Holy Spirit, to become conformed into his image. So we take seriously the words of Scripture to do our part in our own life. And I know that there are areas in my life that I need to give a little bit more attention to. There are areas in my life that just have a few more weeds coming up than others. So I would just call it, I need to do weed management. I need practices of self-inspection so that those places that I've cleaned out don't become crowded again. So I work through problem areas with the Holy Spirit in community, through counseling and prayer, scripture. I clean it out as best as I can, but then I need to keep watch on my heart so it doesn't fill up with weeds again. And sometimes we experience incredible breakthroughs into freedom. Other times it is a long, hard process. I think of every addict who has a story about how God miraculously set them free. There are tens of thousands of others who have to go do the work. They have to work the steps. They have to go to multiple meetings a week. They've learned through the hard experience of failures that they can never let their guard down. The temptation will always be there. So eventually in our lives, some places become easier. Sometimes after a season of hard work, we can pull out all of those roots of bitterness. We don't harbor those feelings for those people or that 
that person or that situation anymore. We've pulled all those roots of negative, destructive talk out of our life. And we're good. But then sometimes a weed will pop up again. So we need to always be doing our weed management. How are we doing? How are things? Am I good? Because it's easier to get rid of it when it's one or two. It's easier to get rid of something when it just pops up and it's a little weed. The more time we let it grow, the deeper those roots go and the more work it will be again later. It's a lot easier. Lesson number three. You control the soil that God has to work with. Uh, God is the gardener, and you and I have this high degree of control over what kind of soil God gets to work with when he's bringing transformation in our lives. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 4, it says, While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow a seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground and then it came up and the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Skip down to verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the words from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word and retain it and by persevering produce a crop. I never really got this parable. There was one day I was reading it in another translation and uh, verse 15 just leaped off the page for me. And the way that this translation put it is that the seed that fell on the good soil are those who hear the word, commit themselves to it, and with a good and upright heart. Through their resolve, they bear much fruit. Here again, I see our role. Jesus is casting out his seeds, planting the good news in people's lives. And those who bear fruit are those who take initiative. They grab what they have heard and they stick with it. They begin to bear bear fruit through their tenacious resolve to to hold on to the word of God and to put it into practice. They live obedience. So again, I I just think there's practical application in my own life. Probably each one of us can find ourselves in one of these different types of soil. There's the first one, the the hard soil. There are people who are new on the journey, who are maybe just exploring Jesus and who he is. There is an enemy that wants to take away the seeds that are being sown. He wants to steal and destroy. Uh, I was thinking about it like, For those of us who have people that we want to come to know Jesus and be transformed by Jesus, our role maybe here is just to be scarecrows. To stand over them and pray for them. To pray that the devil will not have a chance to take those seeds before it gets roots. The second type of soil is those who receive the word but don't have any roots. 
So maybe this is where you are on your journey. You've met Jesus. You've started to walk with him. You're excited about Jesus. And the challenge here is to keep working the soil, watering the seeds. Our call in this moment is to put our roots down deep into the love of God. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7. It says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you are taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I want to know deeply the one whose scripture says delights in me and sings over me, who has adopted me and called me his beloved. And so I am called to put my roots deep into the love of God. third type of soil is the one that gets me the most. It's the one that has the thorns that grow up around and choke. It says, as for the seed that fell among the thorny plants, these are the ones who, as they live about their lives, are choked by the concerns, riches, and pleasures of life, and their fruit never matures. Ouch. That one doesn't pull any punches. Sure, I have roots. I've got them. They're deep. But I live in a world that is full of concerns. Money and pleasure of life are two things that society around us puts a lot of emphasis on. And if I'm not on top of my weed management, these two things will suck me down so quickly. And those weeds will just suck all the nutrients and life out of me and they will kill me and they will leave me unproductive and unfruitful. And Jesus says that if that's your life, choked by the concerns and pleasures of life, you will not bear fruit. You will not bring mature fruit to the world. I want to, like if I imagine myself as a tree, like I want to be an apple tree, and I just want those boughs to be laden with fruit, bending over. And so when God the gardener comes to me and he looks at me, he's ecstatic because of the fruitfulness and the bounty that I am providing. I want to live to be all that God has created me to be. I find it sad that there are a lot of trees, there are a lot of bushes that have really good roots, but they're not bearing fruit for the world. They're not living as fully as God wants them. They're not bringing the goodness of God to the world. For me, it means that I just need to be attentive to the weeds. Not letting the concerns of life choke out the very purpose for which I was created. Because I want to be the last kind of soil. The kind of dirt that produces an abundant crop. Because I believe that's what God has called me to do. And believe it is what God has called you to do. So these are the three things that I learned while I was getting my hands dirty in Mexico. First, God is a gardener. Second, weeding never stops, but the faster you stay on top of it, the easier it is to manage. And lastly, that you and I get to control the type of soil that God's word has to grow in our hearts. Will you pray with me? Oh God, you are the source and giver of all things. 
You are the one who displays your majesty and power and goodness throughout the earth. We declare that you are holy, holy, holy. And the whole earth displays your glory. And to you is all honor and praise. Thank you for the way that you are a good and patient gardener. We praise you for the ways that you relentlessly work in our lives to transform us into your image. We ask that you would sow your word in our hearts, that our roots would go deep into your love, and that to you, the Lord of the harvest, that you would find us faithful and fruitful until the end. Amen.